Thank you for listening to this audio from Trinity Presbyterian Church in Spartanburg, South Carolina. For more information about Trinity, visit our website, trinityspartanburg.com. And now let's stand for the reading of the, the psalm that I will be preaching. Psalm 92 is our sermon text. Psalm 92. grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord stands forever. This is a psalm, a song for the Sabbath. It is good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness by night. With the ten-stringed lute and with the harp, with resounding music upon the lyre, for you, O Lord, have made me glad by what you have done. I will sing for joy at the works of your hands. How great are your works, O Lord! Your thoughts are very deep. A senseless man has no knowledge, nor does a stupid man understand this. That when the wicked sprouted up like grass and all who did iniquity flourished, it was only that they might be destroyed forevermore. But you, O Lord, are on high forever. For behold, your enemies, O Lord, for behold, your enemies will perish. All who do iniquity will be scattered. But you have exalted my horn like that of the wild ox. I have been anointed with fresh oil, and my eye has looked exultantly upon my foes. My ears hear of the evildoers who rise up against me. The righteous man will flourish like the palm tree. He will grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still yield fruit in old age. They will be full of fat and very green. To declare that the Lord is upright, he is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him. This is the word of the Lord. Be seated. Now there are two two stories, two remembrances that I have of Mary Wolf. And I, I don't I don't share these to make much of her. I share them to make much of her Lord, because that's the way she would have it. And this, of course, is an evangelistic sermon, because if I didn't preach an evangelistic sermon, she would rise up out of the casket and smack me in the face. Okay? I, I fear that. But Mary was the answer to one of my darkest prayers in my life. I was despairing. Every day seemed like a thousand years. I don't know whether I was sick or demon, demons were attacking me or whether I was tired or... Um, whether I just couldn't endure any more weight. But I, my days were filled with, with constant anxiety, debilitating anxiety. And I came to my office one day and I, I, just, I, I just wanted to die. And I curled up on the couch and I said, God, send somebody to me. I need help. 
And Mary called me instantly after I said that prayer. And she said, I just felt like I needed to call you and see how you were doing. Very simple. But that prayer, that answered prayer has sustained me. And so God used Mary. I mean, I think all of us could tell times where there are extraordinary circumstances and, and Mary seemed to be at the center of them somehow. And so I, I will always, I, I'm, I'm a bit fearful of, of not having Mary around if that happens again. My wife can only do it so many times in a day. <laughs> but God lifted my head, and we are where we are now. The other thing is this. When it's become my practice, and it should be the practice of every pastor, that when somebody is nearing death, you should ask them if they have any sins that they want to confess to you. Not because we think that that's going to atone for those sins. Those sins have been atoned for. But Mary, you may not believe this, but she struggled with assurance of salvation at the end of her life. And she expressed it to me. And so I said, well, Mary, what's bothering you? You know, what's on your mind? And she confessed to me real sin. I'm the only person in this room who knows about this sin, she confessed to me. And it was real sin. And I was able then to say, Mary, nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. That sin doesn't separate you from the love of Christ. Jesus has atoned for that sin. It's been plunged in the blood of Christ, and you have been washed as white as snow. And she was encouraged. And at that point, I didn't have to answer any more of those well, am I going to heaven or not? Questions. They just seemed to be gone. And, and she, you know, had her trajectory set and was able then to enter into and now has enjoyed that very presence. So I wanted to, I wanted to share those with you. And I, I, love that, I love that all of us could go to Mary and we could talk about serious things and get beyond the weather, which I hate talking about, you know, and she really just wanted to talk about scripture and Jesus. It was so helpful to me. Now, Psalm 92. Psalm 92, you see it starts, it's good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to your name, O Most High. All those who love giving thanks, as this psalm commends, seem to love the music of the church, right? Because much of the music that was written was written to give thanks to God for saving us through the death and resurrection of His Son. And that was true of Mary. What a joy to hear someone with you know, childlike simplicity, giving thanks for her salvation continually. She, she wasn't corrupted by cynicism at all. She wasn't corrupted by discontentment, at least not in the last 12 years that I've seen. Mary longed, the only thing she was discontent about was 
why she was still here and not with her Savior. She longed to be with God in heaven, and, and so um, now she's had that realized, and she's received uh, her reward. And at the end, there was not a single doubt of fear of death for Mary. Now, how many of us share that kind of faith? Do you think about death? Do you avoid it? Do you think about it? There are days when I think about it and it scares me deeply. Scares me. How many of us refuse to think about death because we're afraid of it? But you're at a funeral, so you have to think about it. We get to think about death. Mary and her dead body are preaching to you right now. They're forcing you to think and me to think about death today. A dear loved one, just two weeks ago, you could have gone to her and you could have, you could have talked to her, now lies motionless in a casket as, and it's my job as a pastor to say this, as you will before too many days. Now notice what and when the psalmist is giving thanks to uh, God for. I mean, in the morning, he's giving praise to God for his loving kindness. In the evening, praise for his faithfulness, right? Morning and evening are filled with heartfelt praises to God. In the mornings, though, we begin really with wonder at the mercy of God. Okay, another day. What a wonderful thing. What mercy. In the evening, we finish with, with delight when we say, oh, God has been so faithful this whole day, hasn't he? Spurgeon said, every night, clouded or clear, moonlit or dark, calm or tempestuous, is alike suitable for a song upon the faithfulness of God, since in all seasons and under all circumstances, it abides the same and is the mainstay of the believer's consolation. Loving kindness, maybe you don't know that word, it's not a word we use much or hear much these days. In Hebrew, the word is hesed, and it is an especially potent word. It is a word that describes the covenant mercy of God, the everlasting kindness of God toward a sinful and rebellious mankind. It's just encapsulated in that one word. Now, some hope that God places his chesed, his loving kindness, on everybody indiscriminately. Some hope in that. Some hope that God places his loving kindness on sincere Buddhists and kind Muslims and American materialists. So many, perhaps some of you here today, think that God is, has placed his chesed on you and is pleased with you. And you're sure that you're pretty cool, right? Pretty successful. Generally, people like you and you are generally pretty kind to other people and unless it's early and you haven't had your espresso. And the assumption you are banking on is that God is at peace with you and, and is sort of needing your coolness to, in order to make heaven a little bit cooler. 
Heaven's already cool. But look at the psalm. Look at the psalm. Grab a Bible from the pew in front of you if you have to. Look at the psalm. Oh, yes, God shows forth his said, but he does not do so indiscriminately, right? Look at what verse 4 says. Those who give thanks to him, those who sing of his loving kindness and faithfulness are those who recognize what he has done. It is those who sing for joy at the work of his hands. What work has God done? Well, he created this universe. He spoke everything that is visible into existence. He, he created man, and then when man fell by rebelling against him, right, when he fell in actual human history, I'm not speaking here metaphysically. I'm not reading scripture metaphorically or, or whatever you want to call it. In history, man then became dead in his sins. And you know this to be true, don't you? Sin is the pervasive characteristic of your life. I don't have to prove it to you. You're ornery. It's sin. Your thoughts, your words, your actions are a constant testimony to the fact that you are corrupt. You need help. You desperately need help. And this again is where the said of the Lord comes in. It was the covenant love of God that determined to send his son into this world for the salvation of his chosen people. Now get this. John 3.16, in a funeral sermon. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. But there are verses that follow. For God did not send the son into the world to judge the world but that the world might be saved through him. He who believes in him is not judged. And we're like, okay, that's good. That's all positive. He who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. This is the judgment that light has come into the world and men loved the darkness rather than the light. What? Men loved the darkness rather than the light for their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But he who practices the truth comes to the light so that his deeds may be manifested as having been wrought in God. Now we don't normally read beyond John 3.16, do we? But do you hear what it says? It says the same thing as this Psalm 92. Some recognize God's loving kindness and faithfulness and others reject it. They, those, they may still be banking on their coolness. They may still be banking on God's reasonableness. But they should not because they are rejecting Almighty God 
the psalmist uses terms that you may not like. It says that there are some who are senseless and stupid, it says, who do not recognize something that is 100% true. The wicked and those who do iniquity will be destroyed forevermore. It sounds like a caricature to even say that today, doesn't it? We're just such an unserious people. We just love entertainment. And so when the pastor gets up there and uh, hellfire and brimstone, it sounds like he's just making a joke. But I'm as serious as I've ever been in my life. The wicked and those who do iniquity will be destroyed forevermore. God has enemies, verse 9. God has enemies. And those enemies will perish. Those enemies will be scattered. They will be broken apart. They will be damned. They will bear the wrath of God eternally. And they will do that so that the wrath of God might have some significant expression through all the ages. And so even in your damnation, you'll glorify God. You know what? Mary knew this truth. And she was heartbroken for many of you here today. She was heartbroken for many of you here today. Did you hear me say that? Because she knew God from his word and knew that some of you are currently the enemies of God. And she prayed and prayed for you. She prayed for you. You realize that. She, I, I would ask her, what, what can we pray about? And it was never for herself. It was always about somebody that she was troubled about in her family. Right? She prayed and prayed and prayed for you. And now those prayers have stopped. Mary is preoccupied with the glory of God right now, and she no longer takes your name before God. Do you realize that? She no longer calls God to have mercy on you. She no longer pleads for patience on your behalf. Now, perhaps there are others who are pleading on your behalf, but perhaps there are not. Perhaps it was Mary's prayers that moved God to be patient with you. The effective prayer of a righteous man accomplishes much, says Scripture, and so I am not making too much out of Mary's prayers. She had a human nature just like Elijah's, and Elijah prayed that it, that it stopped raining, and guess what? It didn't rain for three and a half years. Mary has prayed that you would know God's mercy, and perhaps his mercy has been that you have not died in your sins. Yet still, perhaps, you do not know the danger you in. Perhaps, perhaps it has been Mary's prayers that move God to hold in abeyance his uncovenanted wrath against you. Perhaps it was Mary's prayers that have sustained you until today and have you sitting here under the preaching of the word of God, hearing about the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and you'll be moved 
to repent and believe today. What glory, know that you would be able to hear the good news today at, at Mary's funeral. And so today is the day. Today is the day Christ is freely offered to you today. Freely offered to you today. And you may know in him by faith the peace that surpasses understanding. Well, if God has given you ears to hear today, and you perhaps for the first time believe that God speaks through the mouths of puny men risen from the dust like myself... You might be wondering what in the world you are to do. What should you do? What does this mean? What is this talk of faith? Well, Mary's prayers, without Mary's prayers, you must now pray for yourself and ask that God would give you the knowledge of his son that is required for salvation. She's not praying that for you anymore. Pray for yourself. Plead with God. And you must hide yourself in Jesus Christ. You must hide yourself in Jesus Christ and stop presuming upon the grace of God and trusting in your smooth coolness. You must hide yourself in Christ and find him more precious than your sins or whatever self-identity you've chosen. You must stop living for your pleasures and live for him. Actually, your pleasure must become serving him instead of serving yourself. When you turn to Christ, when you repent and believe in him, when you believe that he rose from the dead and confess that glorious truth with your mouth, then the last section of this psalm, look at it, the last section of the psalm becomes your song. Hear this. Hear how it describes the one who has trusted in God. But you have exalted my horn like that of the wild ox. I have been anointed with fresh oil. My eye has looked exultantly upon my foes. My ears hear of the evildoers who rise up against me. The righteous man will flourish like the palm tree. He will grow like a cedar in Lebanon, planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still yield fruit in old age. They will be full of sap, and that's a bad translation. It's fat. God owns the fat parts. They're his. Fat and very green to declare that the Lord is upright he is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him. Not a bit. I was there when Mary passed from, from this life to the next. One minute she was drawing in shallow breaths every so often. The next minute she was gone. She was gone. Those in the room, Josh and Jasmine and, and Sandy and myself, almost didn't notice. <laughs> when I entered the room some minutes earlier, I, I, I had said to Mary, as I had my hand on her shoulder, I said, Mary, you're about to hear Almighty God say, well done. And just a few short minutes later, as we were chattering in her room, 
She was hearing those words as she stood in the presence of Almighty God. Oh, how she longed for all of you here to know Jesus Christ. And to hear those same words that she heard upon your own death. She feared that some of you would hear, depart from me, I never knew you. But she prayed it would not be so. And you still have time to find salvation in Jesus Christ. That perfect peace. It's really quite simple. Scripture says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you will be saved. You and your household. So what does it mean to believe in Jesus? It means you know him. By reading his words, sitting under the preaching of the word, getting into a church that feeds you, right? It means you assent to the message of Christ, right? You believe the word of God, what it says about Christ. And it, and it means you trust in Christ, right? You know him. You assent to his word and you just rest in him. You fully put your trust in him. And to put your trust in him means to acknowledge him as your Lord and Savior and to live a life fully devoted to him. He died for you. Easy to give up your life for him. It means to wake up and pray to him. It means to fear him and walk through this life with a conscience that is alive. It means to lead a life of repentance. It means to lead a life of thanksgiving and worship of the one true living triune God. Here's what Jesus said. Here's how Jesus said it in his own words. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word, you've heard it, and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but has passed out of death and into life. Again, Mary would have had words for me if I did not preach the gospel at her funeral. She genuinely loved you. She genuinely loved all of you. She genuinely loved all those around her. But again, her prayers have now ended. And so today is the day for you to put your trust in Christ and find salvation. You must have an answer when you stand before God the moment after you die. And will you say, I have this and this and this and this, and it's very impressive. And regardless, you're going to let me in. Or will you say, I'm a miserable sinner, I have nothing to offer you, I put my faith in your son, I have no righteousness of my own, but only that which was given to me when I put my faith in Jesus Christ. Woo! Will you hear, depart from me? Will you hear, well done? Will you go on refusing to think about it? I'm making you think about it. Mary has heard the well done, you can also, but only if you put your faith in Christ. But encourage one another day after day as long as it is still called today so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Sin is deceiving you. 
right? Telling you that you have some argument to make with God when you stand before him, but you will have no argument unless it's this one, Jesus, thy blood and righteousness. Do you know the words of that great hymn? Jesus, thy blood and righteousness. Well, I'll close with them. And as I read them, ask yourself whether this is your, your argument. Jesus, thy blood and righteousness my beauty are, my glorious dress. Midst flaming worlds and these arrayed with joy shall I lift up my head. Bold shall I stand in thy great day, for who ought to my charge shall lay. Fully absolved through these I am from sin and fear, from guilt and shame. When from the dust of death I rise to claim my mansion in the skies, even then this shall be all my plea. Jesus hath lived, hath died for me. Jesus, be endless praise to thee whose boundless mercy hath for me, full, for me a full atonement made, an everlasting ransom paid. Oh, let the dead, and there it means spiritually dead, oh, let the dead now hear thy voice, now bid thy banished ones rejoice, their beauty this, their glorious dress, Jesus, thy blood and righteousness. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the blood and righteousness of your Son. We thank you for the cleansing power of that blood. We thank you for righteousness that's imputed to us because, Father, without it, we're just, we're just sin. We're just rebels. We're just rejected. But, Father, you have cleansed us. You have washed us whiter than snow. And for that, we are grateful. For those here who, who don't know Christ, oh God, open their eyes by your Spirit. There is no hardness of heart that your Spirit can't overcome. I pray that we would leave behind that terrible master sin and take on that glorious master the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray in his name, amen.